Hey Trojan fans, it's time to get into the huddle with the Peristyle Podcast. The Peristyle Podcast is your weekly ticket to USC football and recruiting news. Don't forget, you can download the podcast 24-7 at our website, peristylepodcast.com. And now, here's the host of the Peristyle Podcast, uscfootball.com publisher, Ryan Abraham. Hello, Trojan fans. Welcome to the Peristyle Podcast on a Tuesday. We've got a very special edition of the podcast. If we sound a little different, it's because Dan Weber, Keely, you and myself, we're all in the same room, and we're on the road. We're out of the uscfootball.com studio. We are in Heritage Hall at a conference room talking about the USC assistant coaching situation. We got to meet six new assistant coaches today and also talk to offensive coordinator Graham Harrell. And since we're all going to be on campus, we said, hey, why don't we take the show on the road, packed up all the equipment, brought it to USC. So we have sitting right in front of me instead of on the phone, we have Dan Weber. Hello, Dan. Hey, good to be here. Good to be uh, uh, extending the day after an interesting morning. And uh, this is nice to be able to kind of review it. Yeah, it's nice to review it all, and we also have Keely Yor sitting over there. Hello, Keely. Hello, hello. It's exciting. Dan is in full audio form. Full audio form. And physical form as well. No Skype. They can't no Skype. Yeah, yeah, you don't have to Skype. But the, the Skype thing is kind of cool. You know, yeah. we're doing that. that was True. A more, more I will recent. say, though, Dan and I essentially, essentially already did a podcast. Our instant analysis was 30 minutes. <laughs> but that's that's what's going to happen when you have over two hours of coaches' interviews. Yeah, there was a lot. There's so what if you don't know what happened today? Well, let me give you a little brief introduction like we always do. Uh, questions or comments for us, you can send them in. We're going to do a couple of voicemails today because I did bring my little iPad to play the voicemails, but we're, we're going to save the uh, email questions and text questions for next week. But if you have any questions for us, podcast at uscfootball.com, or you could call or text us at 424-254-9141. Please subscribe on Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio. I think uh, you know Periscope, you can, no, you can't subscribe there, but uh, with iHeartRadio. You can follow on Periscope. You can follow us on Periscope. Um, there's a, anywhere you can get a podcast. Sure. You just do that. Give us a five-star rating, which is awesome. Any kind of positive reviews, we appreciate that. Um, what's the, the music app? I'm thinking of that one. Spotify? Spotify. There I think you, you can go. get us on that one, too. I've been using yeah. Spotify more recently. Can, so. which is weird to listen to yourself on Spotify, but yes. Right, yeah. So, it's kind of, so you can get us anywhere. Um, but this was a really interesting day. Yeah. Uh, before we get into that, I do want to thank our sponsor, uh, Trader Joe's. They've been awesome to us over the years and just wanted to give them a shout out and thanks to them. I've, I do like the frozen, we talk about some of the frozen meals that you want to get, um, buy the box. The boxes of frozen rice are great because you pop them in the microwave for like three minutes and you can, yeah, it's really convenient. The rice tastes good. I bought these little, um, Pork dumplings. Yeah, I had that last night. I had pork dumplings and, and some of the rice. And uh, it's great. And you know, I, I got some other stuff in the freezer waiting for the next meals. But uh, a lot of great stuff at Trader Joe's. We love uh, we love talking about them. And uh, they've been great to us over the years. Also, their founder passed away this past week. So our thoughts are with Mis- yeah, what, them. The, the original Joe. Yeah, like the, the original the Joe. The man who did all the trading. Mm-hmm. It's sad. Yeah, it's sad. I saw that on Twitter and stuff. People yeah, a were couple days about. ago he passed away. So, oh. well, condolences to the family. I'm glad they've yeah. they've kept it like a family kind of thing uh, going on all these years. I mean, it sounds like a really cool guy. Uh, he was the one that 
I guess he always liked the the nautical element and was the guy that you know introduced the Hawaiian shirts and and he his niche was uh college uh recent college graduates who didn't have a lot of money yet but had some interesting uh taste and all that so he he really found a niche I think and probably a, some of our uh target uh demographics but uh, Joe Kaluma C O U L O M B E something like that okay. real interesting interesting guy well speaking of interesting today was really interesting we can be or maybe me more than than you Keely cuz you you try to keep me in check critical of uh things that that happens around here at USC why are you doing that why would you do that thing today was a good thing like why did yes. you do that cuz it was great it was <laughs> Two and a half hours or so of talking to the assistant coaches. I thought all of it went smoothly. I thought all mm-hmm. of them sounded good. Um, you know, 20 minutes or so of each one. Todd Orlando actually got started early, so he probably went even longer uh, than that. We we live streamed the entire thing. You can check that out on the site. And really, you know, just basically just answering a whole lot of questions. And you knocked out a whole bunch of stuff. I think Shotgun called it like the reverse car wash where you just kind of bring all the media together and then the coaches just – cycle through they seem to enjoy it uh mm-hmm. the media certainly enjoyed it i think the fans that were watching and, and reading our tweets and everything uh, i thought they enjoyed it so you got to give credit where credit is due this was a great thing yeah i thought it was a really good idea i was preemptively stressed before this was happening about how are we going to get all these coaches in one media availability after practice that's going to be a madhouse there's not going to be enough time but this was such a nice setting to have everyone sit down it was informal it was casual we could ask questions and get as much information as we wanted to from them and so i thought we learned a lot and it was nice to kind of get that out of the way before the madness of spring camp really starts i mean i liked it that they liked it they enjoyed it i mean it was clear they wanted to talk to us they wanted to kind of tell us who they were uh, what they're thinking, what they want to see happen, uh, you know, even the, you know, the USC, uh, you know, media operation looked like they wanted us around. Yeah, they and brought they us were, donuts. They were happy we were here. Uh, it, it, it just had a good feel about it all the way through. I mean, it was really, uh, it was pulled off exactly the way you'd hope for something like that to happen. Yeah, it was. Uh, so yeah. You know, Tim Tesla and the crew, they did a nice job putting that together. And like I said, they brought donuts, which I gave up sweets for Lent, so I can't really partake, which was a little bit of a bummer. But we had breakfast beforehand, so that's okay. But, was, yeah, I thought it was really well done. Uh, maybe it's best if we kind of go through each coach one at a time. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, we, the, the general sen- consensus was this was great. Uh, they did a really good job with it. And I think, you know – trying to like last year when things were going poorly after the five and seven season it seemed like they were going into a shell a little bit now you have some things to be excited about and even though the team didn't have a great year last year and even though the unpopular decision to bring clay helton back there there are some things that you can tout and i think the the batch of assistant coaches in general it just looks like it's a much better staff than what you saw last year i mean to a man even a john david baker we'll talk about him in a little bit the inexperienced one on the staff. I liked, you know, what he mm-hmm. had to say. Yeah. But the other guys, you know, they've they've done it before. Um, and there were some really good one liners from you know, up and down. There were some really yeah. interesting things. Uh the you know, listen to Vic Soto, like, you know, it, he's not a dude you would ever want to mess with. And <laughs> talk about violence and stuff. Like there's there's some good stuff. There was good nuggets, I thought. Yeah. All the way through. Uh but maybe we should start with uh Todd Orlando, who's maybe, you know, 
he's not the most gregarious guy in the world, but he had some. I thought he had some really interesting things to say. I loved it that he said, uh, I can be a knucklehead. Uh, I like that. That was good. I mean, it told you, you know, I can, I can maybe go off the rails a little bit. Uh, I liked it that he said they're going to take them to a dark place. He said it more than once. And his uh, other defensive coaches talked about taking these players to a dark place. I mean, we haven't seen, not during practice, we might have seen them in dark places in Saturday, you know, in football games. But uh, I think, you know, I like the idea they're going to challenge him. I like the idea that he didn't consider the first two practices as practices. Yeah. It was like, you know, <laughs> no that's, pads, not, that's no not football. That's yeah. running around in underwear or whatever. Uh, uh, that, you know, he kept mentioning Saturday when we get out there Saturday. I was thinking, well, you do practice Tuesday and Thursday. Uh-uh, that didn't count. He, yeah. Saturday they'll be in pads, and that's like real football. This is con- uh, the, this was a language we haven't heard around here. This w- these were uh, ways of talking about football that that just haven't happened here for a good while. Yeah, yeah. Physicality, toughness, uh, violence was used a lot. As Dan said, I thought it was interesting. They, there's a lot of talk about the mental aspect that comes with toughness, and obviously they haven't been able to physically challenge the players yet, but Todd Orlando said they're, they're already trying to mentally challenge the players, and to be a championship team, you're going to have peaks and valleys, so what do you do when you get into those valleys? And it seems like they're already trying to prepare for that low moments that happen when you're with a team and it's a long season, so I thought that was interesting. He said, we're going to practice physically, I can tell you that. Um, if you want to be a fighter, you have to learn how to fight, and we're going to do that with practice. I'm trying to get all the nuggets out because there's yeah, just and, so and many. If you want to, if you want to be able to tackle, you got to tackle. Mm-hmm. I mean, it just it followed one after the other. I mean, it, it, yeah. It, it, he said, "I think if you you want to be a good fighter, you got to get in fights." Mm-hmm. And it's like that's exactly like if you want to play football, you should play football and not seven on seven or flag or anything. Yeah, they made fun of that. I mean, <laughs> uh, you know, we've been doing some of that, but uh, it sounds like. They've been listening to us, right, Kaylee? Yeah, I mean, the whole Saturday thing, that was his key. Full pads going after. He said, we're going to be knocking the living heck out of each other. That's when you're going to find out what we're about. Uh, You're going to try and do that now versus find that out against Alabama. So, of course, it's easy to win the press conference. You have to win it on the field. You have to win it each day. But it sounded like good things from from Orlando. Yeah, he was was an impressive guy. Uh, I mean, there was a lot of... Uh, recruiting talk as well um, across the board throughout yeah, the defense. Everyone was asked about recruiting. Uh, I mean, everyone knew Clancy Pendergast was not uh, all that big uh, on recruiting, and it certainly seems like just from watching social media that Todd Orlando has been much more involved than we ever saw the previous defensive coordinator. Now he's got some really good assistants, and we'll talk about them in a minute. But uh, the the recruiting theme kind of came up, and maybe it's just because the people we were there asking those questions, but mm-hmm. recruiting came up a lot. Well, for example, had we had the previous staff, there would have been several people who would have come in and you wouldn't have talked to them about recruiting because recruiting wasn't any part of their job. Uh, you get the sense with this staff that they feel like they all have to be recruiting all the time. I mean, there were a couple of mentions of uh, if, you're, you know, if you're up 24 straight hours, you've got to be recruiting 24 hours, not 23. Uh, uh, Dante Williams talked about calling players on the East Coast who got up at 5 in the morning uh, at 2 o'clock on the West Coast. Uh, you know, it, it was a whole different 
Uh, it's just something we hadn't heard before. Uh, we just—it's been a long time. They—they—you got the sense that these guys really want to compete, that they want to go out there and and try to be the best, and not just because they're USC, but because of what they're doing. Yeah, and there also seemed to be an understanding that this job requires more than just this level. You know, it, it's coaching players at this level, but also recruiting. It's not choose one and then do the other at the last minute. You know, they had a sense of what the recruiting landscape looks like now in this day and age. Um, if we want to talk about good one-liners, Craig Niver with uh, recruiting's like shaving. If you don't do it daily, you look like crap. Yeah, that, <laughs> that was, was incredible. Um, We're so, not on Craig yet. We're gonna, I'm sorry. He's I just wanted to you say it because it was exciting. It yeah. is really good. But Gerard Martinez made a great point about this too. Throughout Across the board with the defensive coaches, when they were talking about recruiting and whatnot they kept saying it's not about the brand it's not about the school you have to go beyond that and really connect with players and it was almost a tell about how they were recruiting against usc in the past where that was kind of a complaint usc would rely on the brand name and not put in the legwork and you could kind of see that these coaches identified that and realized that they have to do more going forward and for this university yeah no no one was really willing to talk about the past and that it makes sense sort you don't of, want to yeah. say you don't want to say complain about it, but what they were saying were things like yeah you can't rely on the brand implying that that's what usc had been doing and exactly you got to work at it every day so that was kind of you know refreshing it's you get why they're not going to want to talk about oh i don't think the coach that i'm taking over for did this well uh, but they did the, with the recruiting stuff. The brand was a big part of it. Yeah. I think Dante Williams talked about how you uh, these players all talk to one another at this top level, and what the uh, recruits from California, the top recruits from California, have been saying about USC isn't good. And you know that's something you know you have to overcome. And uh, I don't, you know, they obviously didn't figure out how to overcome it at all last year. But uh, uh, I thought he was. He was refreshing in, in terms of uh, his talking about, you know, he feels like, and he, he wasn't embarrassed to say this. He says, I think I'm genuine. You know, I think I'm, I'm able to be, you know, honest with these guys. And I like to hear that. I thought that was, that was a good way to say it, uh, you know, that, that he's, and he never is not thinking about recruiting. Yeah. And I don't know that we ever hear that feeling uh, from anybody on that coaching staff that, recruiting was something that they did every day, no. every minute of every day. Never. Like a T. Martin or somebody, but yeah. like not not more recently. Not more recently. Um, one last thing on Orlando, at least for me, unless you guys got something else. Scheme-wise, um, what we would talk about would be, he's like, hey, what's the scheme? He's like, it's multiple. Like that's the first thing coming out of his mouth. And uh, aggressive and, you want, you know, attacking. But also I thought it was interesting. And this was kind of like the way Norm Chow's offenses were supposed to be at USC where – if you're playing against the Norm Chow offense or if you're trying to scheme against Todd Orlando's defense, it might look very complicated. Like there's a lot of stuff going on and it can be confusing for an opponent. But what what you get in trouble when you're in college is you don't have that much time with these players. So it can't be confusing to your own team. So you have to be able to, it has to be simple to kind of implement and to execute and that's kind of the impression I got, Dan, from what he was saying. Yeah, I mean, I think that it's it's five days of install, much the same as the offense was last year, and that's it. Uh, they want players to be able to do multiple things and and then just execute it. They want them to understand why are we in a three-down this situation and why are we in four-down and what does that mean uh, and that everybody has to understand and everybody has to do it but that everybody's going to be prepared to do it 
and it'll be plug and play. And I like to say they said basically the guys that are going to plug and play are the guys that are practicing well. And uh, the good news there is the only way you can do that is if you really legitimately compete at practice. If, if you don't compete at practice, you can't make those decisions. So I just think that's those all things go together in, in terms of how you get where you're going. But nobody didn't talk about hitting somebody in the fa- in the mouth or in the face or stepping yeah. up and just you know running through, you know running through uh, you know the the guy on offense just running through him, just run right through him, and. Uh, I, I just can't wait to see uh, how this plays out. I thought it was also interesting because you, you, we've seen with Orlando, wherever he goes that first year, you see a jump in stats. The team does better. And he said it's not necessarily a scheme change. It's because we come in here and we change the player's mentality. We change um, their technique. We fix it up. And so I thought that was interesting that he was like, to be honest, it's kind of like fixing what the last guy didn't do well. So it was interesting that mix. But he was also asked about uh, Texas in 2019. What was his answer for why it didn't go well there? I think he, he talked about injuries, I think, and yeah. that they, they were missing guys, and uh, sometimes, you know, that happened. But, uh, uh, you know, he, I liked it that he, when they, he and Navarre left Texas, they went to Texas Tech because they wanted to compete against Texas. I like that. They, and then they get the USC offer, and they said, well, that's a no-brainer. We're coming to USC. But that they had chosen Texas Tech because they wanted to go against uh, Texas. So I, th- I I think there's a much more a sense with this group that they want to compete. Yeah. Didn't get, and that was the ultimate uh, thing that made Pete Carroll different from everybody else was he had, you know, he was the ultimate competitor. And I think that got lost. Uh, it's gotten lost for a number of years. And these guys look like they want to compete. They understand what this is all about. It's about competing. And I think that's been lost not just in the football program, but in the whole athletic program at USC, that willingness to go out there and compete for whatever, compete for fans, compete for, you know, good TV contract, a good Nike contract, just compete, do the best you can. I don't think we've seen that enough recently, but these guys are bringing it back. I don't want to give ahead of ourselves here, but I felt like there was an interesting unity, at least in the mindset with this defensive staff, whereas I felt like maybe past defensive stats, it felt like a little hodgepodge. Like there wasn't a sense of unity or like they were all striving for the same goal or mindset, but hearing them back to back and kind of hearing the same themes over and over again, you could sense that they're kind of united on a a certain front. I think they're excited about that. And it's something that they've kind of discovered as they've been working together for, you know, two and a half, three weeks. It hasn't been long. Yeah. They've all been together and they're finding out, Hey, we're all on the same page. We really, really are uh, approaching this the same way. And, and I think they love that. They, they think, boy, this is pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, so let's move on to uh, Craig Niver, who uh, one of my favorite dudes already. Yeah. Uh, just great personality, you know, just out there, very gregarious. He's going to tell you exactly what he thinks. And uh, that's great. I mean, Keeley already had the great one-liner, which was, uh, you know, recruiting's like shaving. You got to do it every day, or you look like crap. Mm-hmm. Everyone kind of la- everyone was typing at that point. You yeah, could tell, you could tell with the good in lines. that room. Yeah, there was when everyone was typing. That means, oh, that was something really good that was said. So you can kind of uh, get a sense of what's going on there. Uh, some really unique stuff from him. He's going to coach safeties for USC, but he's coached special teams before. Coached against Sean Snyder. Had mm-hmm. some really interesting interesting things to say about him. Brew McCoy, you know, I think, Dan, you asked him about Brew <laughs> McCoy. 
in a kind of roundabout way, but they ended up started talking about it. And, you know, he got to see Brew McCoy coming in and his guys wanted to get a piece of the five-star dude coming in. So there were some really unique stuff. So it was like a uh, safeties coach, but he had a lot of different uh, great lines. I got to go back and listen to the whole thing again because there was a lot of great stuff there. He's a, a perceptive guy. I like the idea that he picked up uh, with a hat backwards. Okay, I guess he's wearing the hat backwards. Uh, and it's just a small little uh, Florida Marlins logo. And he asked... What he, I don't know if he said, he, did he use the word dude? But he, he asked, said, "What's with the hat, man?" Because Shotgun asked him a question. Are you really a Are you really a, a Florida Marlins fan? Like, really? Who Who's a Florida? And you know, Shotgun said, "Well, I got two hundred hats or yeah, whatever." Yeah, he says I have two hundred hats. But just the fact that he picked up on that, yeah, that's I. I mean, really, that was. I just gotta say, anyone who makes fun of Shotgun in their opening press conference yeah. is a, a good in my book. Yeah, that's, yeah. You know? We're all pro that. So. Yep. <laughs> yeah, pro making fun but, of I mean, It was like he was so comfortable sitting there talking to us. I mean, he was like, you know, I'm, I'm not threatened by you guys. I'm not worried about what I'm telling you. I'm just telling you. Ask me something, I'll tell you. Yeah, because yeah. every coach was supposed to give like an introductory, like opening statement. He was like, ask me whatever you want. Just go for <laughs> it. Like he was re- ready for it. Yeah, he was... Uh, yeah, I mean you're right. He's he's uh, one of the favorite dudes. Although it was hard to pick him out. Every one of them had yeah, something was, special that you like. You know, you just thought, oh, I like that. That's a good yeah. There was some great stuff there, and uh, you know, as far as duties between splitting up between what he's going to do and uh, what Dante Williams is going to do, we're we'll talk about him in a minute. But um, any kind of notes there? For, did, did you guys learn from that? Well, I like it that he likes. Uh, big athletic safeties uh, that he likes guys coming downhill and running into people and hitting them. I mean, and he was, you know, and you don't always hear that from secondary coaches that they want guys running downhill and hitting people and running through them. And uh, that's just, again, that's not what we've been accustomed to. But, uh, you know, just his aggressiveness. uh, Yeah, I think he was asked, like, what, like what's what would his, be I, your ideal safety? He yeah. said Marvell Tell. He basically. said I have five Marvell Tells, which was a throwback because Marvell Tell has been graduated for a bit, and he switched to to corner in the NFL too. But I yeah. guess if you want to, have, he's versatile. Well, I think he, he talked about his ideal secondary would be five Marvell Tells because you'd have the size, you'd have the length, you'd have the you know the speed, the ability to hit, and he could cover, uh, play corner, play safety. Uh, so you get a sense of that's what. You know, they'd like the interchangeability and the size and, and the ability to hit somebody. Uh, that, I, that was a very interesting call-out that he went for Marvell Tell. I yeah. mean, I, I thought that was a really interesting name to pull out of, you know, out of the hat. Yeah. yeah. So he's a good name for the secondary, also knows special teams well. Worth uh, noting that he's really close with Orlando. Yeah, very. You know, so he's tied in with, so he's the you yeah. know guy that Todd Orlando feels comfortable with, but the dance point. It looked seemed like a group, even though only those two guys have mm-hmm. been together. But they seem to gel well. But you know, so he has a special teams aspect. He's also known really as a as a recruiter, and talked about that too. I think was asked about you know recruiting guys in Texas, and he's like, dude, Southern Cal- you know, we got to recruit California first. But they, you know, they're, they're they they want to do that. And he talked about, I think he signed a guy from I forget where he signed a dude from. He's like, I don't know anybody there. It's about building these relationships and. Um, so I think he's going to bring a lot of recruiting acumen to the the staff too. Yeah, he was easy to like because uh, I don't think we had a good fix on him. We had kind of some sense about the other guys, and boy, he comes right right at you, and you got okay. Now I know who that guy is. Yeah, 
Uh, and then the other dude, if we're going to stick in the secondary, is Dante Williams, mm-hmm. uh, known to you know poached many a players from Southern California. He was very, uh, he, I mean, he likes to be you know a really he's a, he looks at himself as this gregarious guy, and he but he pointed to Niver and was like. I'm not as energetic as him, you know? yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> but a lot of recruiting talk uh, with Dante yeah. Williams because he's done so well uh, at Oregon and was such a sought after coach. But any impressions from him, either one of you guys? Well, I liked it that I, I asked him, you know, you guys are getting credit for cre- uh, uh, bringing in kind of the SEC approach uh, to recruiting. And what exactly is that? And he just said, you know, Coach Cristobal, he's a grinder. He said, you do whatever you have, whatever it takes. If it's 24 hours a day, that's what you do to get a particular kid. So uh, it's not so much the flash, but it's the hard work. Um, But uh, I I, I do think he was surprised because he thought he's the energetic guy and he would describe himself as that. And he said on this staff that I'm not the necessarily the energetic guy or the most energetic guy. And I thought that was an interesting, I thought, you know, he, he's like, wow, these guys are, this is uh, something worth talking about. Yeah. I thought it was interesting. Todd Orlando, when he was asked about Dante, he said that um, when he found out that he could be an, an option, it was like getting the first pick of the NFL draft. You know, that's how valuable Dante was, not only to the staff on the recruiting front. I thought Dante had some good one-liners, too. Um, He said, on recruiting, we're going to be trendsetters. We're SC. And that's kind of what we've talked about. Like, when you're SC, when you're a blue blood, or throwback to last week's podcast, you don't have to be the the people who who are catching up to the organs and the ASUs of the world. You set the tone. And he said, I didn't come here to be liked. I came here to be respected and to be feared. Uh, What makes a great recruiter? You can relate to recruits and how hard you work. Dan, I think you talked about it. If you're up 24 hours, you're recruiting 24 hours. So this guy, he lives and breathes it and was really passionate about it. And you could tell when he talked about it. And obviously, he got a lot of questions about recruiting. He did. I mean, I asked him, like, you know, what makes you a great you know, I, I didn't mean what makes you a great recruiter. I just went in general, what makes right. a great recruiter. Mm-hmm. And he had some really, you know, interesting things to say, like you said, about, yeah, if you're up 24 hours, you can't recruit for 23. You got to recruit for all 24. And if he's up till 2 a.m., which he normally is, and there's a recruit that gets up at 5 in the morning on the East Coast, he's calling him then before he goes to bed. And that's just kind of his, that's just been his philosophy. So it's, uh, I think it's worked, obviously it's worked well for him. And, uh, but that, that, that was most of the talk was recruiting. And that's so wasn't happening here. I mean, again, I'm still in shell shock from watching uh, Mario Cristobal do all, make all his recruiting calls from the tunnel while we were setting up after the game uh, for instant analysis. And I'm thinking, here USC's not, you know, got the home game and they're not even really recruiting much off of it. And Oregon comes in and, and they're recruiting the heck out of you know, the game in the Coliseum. And you just can't do that. I mean, that, that can't ever be allowed to happen. And uh, I don't think these guys are going to let it happen. It's going to be a whole different world uh, with these guys. I mean, it it, it is. I mean, I, I think there's some things you can kind of pick up on when, when guys tell you. And I think with these guys, you can you can kind of believe this is who they are. I also thought it was a good thing that Dante was realistic about the recruiting scene because he was like, well, ultimately, what does it take to keep kids in Southern California? And he said, well, you have to win games. You know, it's not going to be the flashy branding or uniforms. It's going to be winning games. And and that's something that Gerard Martinez talks about all the time. And it's an obvious point, but sometimes guys can miss that. So, And yet for these guys, they wanted to be at USC. 
I mean, you know, Dante wanted to come back to, you know, for family reasons, whatever, but he grew up, you know, kind of with his eye on USC, uh, Vic Sooto, uh USC was the place. Uh, and uh, I don't know that USC's taken adv- as much advantage of that, but that's some of the advantages USC has is mm-hmm. for guys like that, USC was the place. And uh, I think they want to, you know, they obviously want to make it the place again. Yeah, he talked about it being like a dream school, like you're growing up. And I, he, as a good recruiter, I think you know what sell, what what you have to sell, you know, and what your strengths are going to be. And knowing that kids grew up in this area, wanting to go to USC is something that he can utilize as a great recruiter. And then, and you know, not not just because it says USC on your shirt, just be, but that's going to be something you can use to to help. Well, I mean. Kids will be able to understand he really believes that because he grew up with that, and that was what he thought growing up. So you don't even have to try to sell that. That's just the the reality of your life. So uh, I think these guys are you know well suited to be able to recruit for USC. Yeah. Uh, anything else on Dante? Or should we move on? I thought he. W- I thought he'd be more energetic. I wa- energetic. I watched him on Trojans Live, and he was a little bit more lively. But this was like a focused energy if that makes sense it was he looked just very like i'm here to do business that's it whereas nyvar was like springing off the chair you know i think he there was he was energetic enough but after following up from nyvar maybe that was the case but i'm I'm not saying he was boring it was just a different type of energy and there was a kind of like yeah like hey this is the way it's going to be you know it was more of a matter of it was like a no nonsense yeah this is how you got to do things like this you know and he i think he was very thoughtful about it it was he had a real philosophy of how it's done and it wasn't flashy it was hard work yeah and he this is you know i'm not gonna make any promises i'm not uh but he was more more that kind of you know hard work and uh and very serious steady guy Mm -hmm. and i like you i thought oh you know, some recruiters are kind of flashy and all that. Uh, he's uh, He looks like the hard work recruiter. But at the same time, you can see why he's attracted to recruits because that's a guy who's going to be consistent and he means what he says and is working hard. So you can see it. Well, and his secondary, they had 20, uh, 20 interceptions last year and USC had nine. So that makes a difference. Yeah. That um, makes a difference too. Staying on defense and go to uh, Vic Sooto. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's... Uh, Another guy that you're just like, wow, that's this very impressive dude. So, and uh, we we have someone, we have a voyeur over there, like giving us a, giving us the number one sign. Interesting. Um, <laughs> but he was someone that was really impressive to me. Um, just you know, he's only been an assistant coach for three years, mm-hmm. and but you know, grew up, you know, played at BYU. He's a grown man, 32 years old, five kids. Played for Bronco Mendenhall, learned all the fundamentals. Someone that's going to teach you that. As a coach, learned the same thing at Virginia. Um, it, you know, from Oceanside, California, understands the Southern California lifestyle. He's Polynesian, knows you know the USC pipeline for Polynesian players, and calling it the mecca for Polynesian players mm-hmm. with you know Junior Seau and Second Troy Palomalo. Yeah. yeah, all that stuff. Like, and and just like this physically intimidating man that was very nice. Like, I mean, he was very soft spoken and stuff, but. That's someone like yeah. If there's anyone in like like probably with a three mile radius of me right now that I wouldn't want to like tangle with, like I, it would probably be him. Yeah, that's the kind of impression you got from this. But another for a young coach that hasn't had that much experience, uh, and USC's done that before where they just kind of pick guys out. This isn't a guy that was just picked out. This was this worked out well, and he 
slid into the DMs of Todd Orlando <laughs> and, and yep. you know, after the Super Bowl, and then you know here he is. But another guy that you just can't not be impressed with after you listen to him. Well, I mean, I think the idea that he has a real philosophy of he's going to take these guys. I mean, he and, and Orlando work well together because, as he said, he's going to take these guys into those dark places. Some of these D linemen that USC have that that you know we we've thought that they had the ability to go farther than they have. And I think uh, I think Vic is going to push them into those places where they haven't gone yet. And uh, I think it was amazing. I don't know that I've ever seen a guy who could quietly, soft-spokenly, with a smile on his face, say the word violence <laughs> as many times as he said the word violence, mm-hmm. softly, smiling, and he just kept saying violence. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like... Ooh, this is cool. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, kids are gonna like that. I mean, this, you got to play with violence. You got to. And somebody said, "Can you define that?" And he said, "Well, if they run into you know, you run into you know, it happens all the time. When you run into people, they have to go backwards. You know, that's you control them. Yeah, that's the violence that you need. You know, you control that that collision. And uh, and, and and just you know, I just thought, well, he and he's done it. I mean, he got. He was the, I guess, number one performer at uh, Virginia. Their offense or their defensive line performed so well, and Virginia gets back to a New Year's bowl, bowl game for the first time in like a quarter of a century. And uh, his unit was a unit that probably did more than anything for uh, uh, for G- Virginia to do that. But uh, he's uh, he was uh, he's kind of a sleeper, mm-hmm. and yet oh, yeah. when he's sitting in the room with you, oh man. Todd yeah. Orlando a, called him a star in the making, superstar in the making. So yeah, I think he is, and it's sort of like, like if you're like watching an execution and you got the executioner over there with his hand on the, the uh, you know the switch to like send electricity through somebody on the electric chair, but he's what like got analogy. a big smile on his face and he's eating an ice cream cone. You know, like that's what he was talking about violence, like in this really nice way. It was. Just, yeah, it was like the dichotomy there. It was pretty f- interesting to me. Mm-hmm. And yeah. he started out by saying, like, the defensive line are my guys, but they're going to hate me. They're going to hate me before they yeah. love me. And we're going through that process right now. And so I think someone followed up on that. And he gave a, a anecdote about J.T. Fele. J.T. Fele was the first guy he sat down with when he got to SC. And apparently, Tufele is having some academic issues right now. And so Soto so Oto is – I'm saying that wrong. So Oto is – is on him. He's like, whatever we do, I'm reminding him about his grades. I'm texting him. We're in a group chat together. Um, so this is a guy who's going to hold people accountable. And he said, I'm trying to make these guys uncomfortable. I'm trying to make them better and push them to their limits. And that's what you want to hear. Um, I also thought it was interesting. He kept mentioning Caleb Tremblay. And that's someone yeah. who's kind of slipped oh, yeah. under the radar. And that's someone who was mentioned uh, multiple times. So someone to look out for. In that yeah, as, a, as one of the couple of leaders. And I, I do think it's interesting Orlando, I think he was referencing like, his first day on the field with the, when the players didn't even know who he was. Mm-hmm. And that's when he talked about he can be a knucklehead or whatever. But he picked out uh, Jay Tuvelli. And I, I think they're working together. And, and, and again, uh, they didn't know who he was. And finally, I guess Osmus uh, said, you know, they're like, who's this guy calling me out? And Osmus said, that's the new defensive coordinator. Uh, but I do like that, that, you know, and I noticed while we were there today, uh, Jay Tufeli was over in the uh, uh, study lounge. Mm, and there you go. Walking around. Uh, so uh, I think, 
And I, I you know, they, they had the sense that he's doing, you know, really responding well. But uh, I think that's sometimes what you got to do. Mm-hmm. Some other tidbits. Uh, he was saying that on Sundays they weren't allowed to watch TV unless a family member was on TV. So he said he watched a lot of Junior Say Out, a lot of Chargers games. Yeah, that and was pretty interesting. That was hilarious. Cause it's like, oh, yeah, so relatable. Um, and then uh, he was asked about Drake Jackson. And he said that Drake could be one of the best to leave ever leave USC. He said there's a lot of potential there. Uh, still obviously have to work on technique and fundamentals and whatnot, but high praise for Drake Jackson, which makes sense. I like that though, when they praise somebody, they said, but, but, you know, it was always mm-hmm. with, uh, you know, but we'll see or, but we'll, yep. you know, when they put the pads on or, but you gotta, I, I you know, I, I kind of like the praise, but I just think that's a good way to do it. And there was a lot of talk about, the potential and looking in the room and he's got a lot of talented guys in there and he's like the difference between potential and like results are uh you know hard work um i forget what was the other thing uh, there's hard work something in violence so it was like you know, yeah always throwing the violence you're yeah, good there was violence in there and uh it was definitely hard. Yeah. yeah and uh so it was really good like hey it doesn't matter you're the most talented dude in the world unless you're putting in the work uh, unless you're being, you know, physical and being violent out there, it doesn't matter. Well, and they talked about guys who had been starters that were on the scout team because they yeah. weren't doing it in practice. Yeah, seniors. Yeah. He said seniors yeah, he that said, were on the scout team. Yeah, because they were practicing too soft, apparently. Practicing soft is the word. So uh, uh, The whole team would have been on the scout team last year. Yeah, yeah. Zero. Oops. <laughs> nice. Um, the other thing, last tidbit, uh, he was – he was asked about Graham Harrell because both of them weren't on Green Bay at the same time. And he asked, did he ever hit Harrell? Harrell? And he said, if I did, it was accidental. So some laughs there. So, yeah, the quarterbacks were like, you know, that's that's where the money was. They weren't practicing yeah. with us. You get a fine for that. Yeah. Which is a perfect segue, Mr. Abraham, into our next person. To uh, Graham Harrell. Yes. Yeah. So we, did, we didn't, Graham talks a lot. So his, <laughs> his answers tend to be long. Um, there was a lot of questions for Graham, so it was tough to get. Like that would have been neat to ask him about. I wanted to ask him about Vic, because, you know, right. if he remembers him it's from there. But it just wasn't really, you know, we. He's the guy we've known. Mm-hmm. Um, but and you know, when he answers a question, he can kind of ramble on a little bit. But uh, any anything stand out from his ramblings, Dan? <laughs> well, I thought you know the fact that it's great to have three starting quarterbacks that have won games for you. And, you know, two that have been full season starters. Uh, but then he pointed out uh, we've only got three quarterbacks on the roster. And then as we got into it, we find out that he's not sure, you know, Keaton Slovis is, you know, how much, how limited is he going to be in terms of how much he can throw? Uh, and is uh, JT Daniels going to be back by the end of spring in terms of being able to move around a little bit and throw the ball? Uh that he thinks he's, you know, rehabbing really well and his attitude's great. But uh, we, I don't think we quite understood that there was maybe as much indecision right now uh, as as maybe there is. And that also included the running backs. And he didn't know today how many running backs are going to be ready for practice. So uh, that was, you know, and I don't know that that's a, a worry because you you have a good sense that, they're all coming around, are going to be back and all coming around, coming around. But, uh, but there's a little more of that than, you know, of the guys you had a sense of, well, this is going to be okay. I thought the one, we talked about this, Kaylee, the one question that didn't ever come up for him were the wide receivers. <laughs> Nobody even talked about, everybody knows 
You got eight or nine of them. Yeah. They're pretty good. We're not worried about them. So not a word no about the wide, yeah. wide receivers. Not a word. They do their thing. They're talented. Yeah. So no concerns. But yeah, I was. it was interesting to me how, and maybe it's just because of the schedule, they haven't nailed things down yet. It didn't seem like they had a full grasp of who was going to be healthy and right. like to what extent in spring on offense. And that to me was a little bit like eyebrow raising because, I mean, I were doing the most anticipated series on the site. And so I was writing about Keaton Slovis and I said, my first question is how healthy is he? And it didn't seem like we got a full grasp on that. So now, maybe recap what happened in the Holiday Bowl for, for Slovis. It was uh, it was he was making a throwing motion. I think he got hit. You're making me recall yeah. a couple months ago on the spot, Ryan. But I believe it was an elbow sprain. Yeah, you know, I, I don't think we knew at the beginning what it was, what they were looking at. And then I think by the end, especially when he left that night, he had the uh, ice pack on mm-hmm. his elbow. Yeah, it was an elbow sprain, which they said uh, it just needed uh, rest, ice, and recovery, right. et cetera. No surgery. But the way he there. got hit, there could have been other involvements. Uh, on the spur of the moment, I think all we could, you know, assume that it was that elbow. But uh, maybe we'll find out more when we we get started. Yeah, but, uh, Grant wasn't really willing to. Well, I mean, the, the assistant coaches aren't supposed to really talk about injuries and stuff. So some of it was, did he really know what was going on? I mean, because like we'll get to uh, the, in the next segment talking about Daniel Matarbebe. He was, you know, yeah. uh, John David Baker was saying that yeah, he's he's one hundred percent fully Good ready to go. go. We weren't hearing that from Graham, but that just might be an inexperienced coach versus a more experienced coach, like knowing what they can say. Making things slip, yeah. Yeah. Uh, I mean, we'll see uh, kind of when it, when it comes to it. But, yeah, you did get a feeling that receivers weren't even mentioned, but everyone else they were talking about. They also talked about the offensive line a little yeah, bit. and like a lot maybe of talk about that. Who, uh, you know, he, you know, someone that I've been saying that I think is going to move to left tackle is Elijah Vera Tucker. He basically said the the same thing. I, I think we're going to see a lot of him there uh, in the spring. I don't know what any thoughts about what he said I about think, the. I think he said what I what I think a lot of us believe is you find your five best guys and you get them on the field and you figure out where they're going to play as you go along. And he said there's going to be shuffling because I think I think both centers I, I think have to be on the field. Uh, I'd be shot. You know, one of them isn't going to be as tall as. Maybe the ideal person at whatever position he ends up that's not the center. But, uh, uh, I mean, but you've got uh, Andrew Voorhees and Jalen McKenzie and uh, Justin Dietrich and Brett Nealon and uh, Elijah Vera Tucker. You've got those five guys. And five, in a lot of ways, ought to be enough. Offensive linemen tend to not get hurt. Uh, and Liam Jimmons maybe is the next guy uh, ready to go. But, uh but I think they've got to get those five in the right places, and Graham said that as much, that they've got to figure out who the five are and how to get them all in the best place. Uh, you know, For example, with one of your centers, might be a better uh, guard, let's say, than the other center. So you might decide the center position based on who's the better guard, for example, something like that, where, you know, but... I think, you know, the coach that doesn't get mentioned, who I think is, is really the key guy going into this year, is uh, Tim Drevno. Yeah. I mean, I think uh, this is a football team. If they can run the ball, they'll be – if they can run the ball on you, they're going to beat you because you know they're going to be able to throw it. Yeah. And if you have to stop the run, it's going to be really hard to stop the pass. So I think the run game is crucial. I think USC found that out. Early on with Pete, once they could run the football, uh, 
you were in trouble because, you know, obviously you're going to have to then stop the run. And if you don't, you know, if you drop eight, USC is going to have to be able to say, go ahead, drop eight. We dare you because we're going to run it down your throat. And we're just going to keep running and running until you get out of that. And uh, they couldn't do that last year. They have to be against good teams. They couldn't. They have to be able to do that. So I think that's uh, that's really a big deal for this team. Yeah. The other thing was just the year two aspect. I wanted to ask him too, like, how different was spring football going to be this year than yeah. last year when you first just came in? There wasn't really any time to, but they there was a lot of talk about being the second year. The quarterbacks just understand things a lot better, and they feel he feels like this offense can take you know big leaps forward because it's year two. And I asked John David Baker about that just because he's been with Harold for how many years now in this system. And I was asking, like, why, in your opinion, does it make that jump? And he said, one, just because it's simple. And so they're not having another uh, another go at install and whatnot. But uh, to your point, the quarterback knows what they're doing in year two, which what I thought was interesting is that Harold didn't necessarily come out and deem Kinsler was a starter. He didn't crown him or anything like that. He said competition competition yeah. is still open. But to that point, if John David Baker and essentially Graham Harrell are saying that it, the the offense takes a jump in year two because of the quarterback, why would you stray away from Keaton Slovis if that's the case? You know, and and Dan and I talked about this earlier. He argues that JT Daniels has has enough experience where you can plug him in there for year two. But I would argue live game experiences is more valuable than what JT Daniels have yeah. has in the system at this point. But I just thought that was interesting how competition's always open but is it really i'm not sure about that well i think i think a lot of it depends on uh, jt and what his mindset is mm-hmm. and i think his mindset is i'm competing and i'm going to beat him out now i you know he's starting from certainly starting from behind uh but uh i think that's a good thing uh and i think you know then he's got the opportunity after three years to graduate and uh maybe go somewhere else for two years but uh, uh but i think you know, the pushing, the two of them pushing one another and having, you know, a Matt Fink uh, who may have to take over in the spring, which is probably a good thing. Yeah, he could. Uh, there are three guys with experience. That's the one thing that Graham said is, like, you can't accelerate experience. Like, experience is just what you got it or you don't. And, and having three quarterbacks that have it is good. Not knowing how healthy any of them are going to be, I guess, is not great. I but, would guess know. there is not another team – even close to three quarterbacks with experience. I mean, I I don't know there's been a team in a that I can almost ever remember that comes into a season with, in effect, three guys you could start. And, I mean, you know, Matt Fink beat Utah. Yeah. I mean, come on. Uh, so that's a real plus, to yeah. be honest. By the time they get to the season, having those three guys, again, uh, that's all they got. They only got, they've only got the three uh, on the roster right now. But uh, – um, you know, that's that's a real plus. The uh, the new guy, as far as new assistant coach, he's been around the program because he's with Graham Harrell last year as an analyst, but uh, John David Baker coaching the tight ends. Um, I wanted to ask him, too, if he was going to work with the inside receivers as well. I forgot oh, to ask yeah, that. Sure but, um, but, you know, he again, uh, you know, impressive guy, has known Graham Harrell uh, for a while and uh, just – you know, he's got a great group. Like, there's, you know, now yeah. you have Daniel Mentor Bebe back. We talked about him saying that he's healthy, and he talked about, you know, they, what he's done with him so far and, you know, the kind of senior leadership. They got three seniors on the roster. Um, I asked him about hey, only 15 catches for the whole position last year, 
and he said you got to earn you know it's you got to earn them in there but they you know some of it was just the you know injuries or just the what they felt better with last year but you get the feeling that tight ends will be used more uh than what we saw last year well i would suggest that uh john david put on the uh washington game from three years ago uh where daniel was just running those seam routes and and he was, you know, too fast for the linebackers. He was way too big and strong for the anybody in the secondary to cover him. And uh, um, he, in this offense, he could be really dangerous. Uh, but uh, you know, again, they had, as they said, you know, it was more productive last year to go with four wide receivers yep. with Drake London as the fourth, because uh, he was sort of a, you know, a hybrid kind of tight end. And uh, but Daniel, uh, if if Daniel's healthy. He gives them an, uh, an element they did not have last year, and uh, he uh, he would be. In, I mean, I'd be real interesting to see what happens if he uh, he comes back completely ready to go, a sixty-year senior, with. Uh, and he said, you know, his maturity just jumps out at you yeah. in the tight end room. The thing that stood out to me was I was kind of expecting John David to come out and be like. I'm going to advocate for the tight ends to get more usage. You see how he did give the stat about what happened to the tight end in the second year at North Texas, but he essentially what Dan said, he was saying that they need to be more dynamic. They need to prove that we should use you instead of go to a Drake London or go four yeah. wide, you know? So I thought that was interesting, kind of challenging that group to be more dynamic and not just be, you know, uh, pass blockers and, and guys who aren't really in the pass game, uh, the receiving threat that they could, can be. Yeah, I mean, they've got to earn it. They've got to demand playing time. And I think he also, I think it was John David who said uh, the best thing about a team is when you don't have to, the coachings don't have to hold them to account, but when the players start holding one another to mm, account yeah. Yeah. and demanding that, you know, that they do it right and, and do the best they can. And uh, um, so he puts, I like the idea, you know, put it on the players. Uh, it's up to them. Yeah, he, um, I, you know, when I asked him about, you know, he's friends with Graham Harrell. Do you were like, you only had 15 catches last year. Hey, Graham, throw some more balls our way. And he's like. You didn't necessarily phrase it that way. But that, that's kind of what you meant. But, you know, okay. and he's, he, uh, yeah, I mean, he was like, no, this is not, we have to earn all of that stuff. And it's not like me just standing on the table like, we got to get the tight ends more. You know, if it's, if they're not performing, then there's no reason to, you know, throw them the ball. So I, it's sort of like a, uh, it wasn't. You know, it's uh, some kind of system where we have to spread it out equally. It's like we got to earn our spot. Yeah. Which I think shows the position that he had not only last year, but at North Texas with Graham Harrell. He was seeing it from a full offensive view rather than coming in as a position coach for these guys. He's seeing it as does this offense have productivity as a whole? It doesn't matter if it's tight ends or wide receivers. We just need to be productive and dynamic. So that was interesting in that sense. Well, he said he specifically wanted to be uh for himself to be a, an offensive coordinator yeah that he wanted to see you know the whole offense not just you know one part of it and uh, so and it's obvious he said you know my future in a lot of ways is probably tied to graham's and yeah. if graham makes a decision that's gonna you know a lot of guys would say no I'm on my, no i thought that was kind of a a realistic uh and i guess he talked about the fact that they're kind of like brothers or maybe closer to brother than brothers. And the fact that the way they got to know one another was that uh, uh, he, uh, uh, John David and Graham's brother, 
were together uh, playing football at Abilene Christian. And now here he is. He said, uh, what were they? They were driving around Abilene. He said, what else are you going to do in yeah. Abilene, Texas? He just driving around in a car. Mm-hmm. And we got to be friends. And now he's in, now he's in L.A. It's kind of, you know, it's kind of, he's like one of those guys that said, this is pretty cool. Yeah. I yeah. forgot to mention it during the Graham Harrell part, but a lot of the early questioning was about his off season and the, the, the mm-hmm. runs that people have made at him and yeah. the different jobs. And he, you know, again, talked about how special is at USC and you can win a national championship there. It'd have to be a perfect situation for him to leave, but ultimately he does want to be a head coach. So, you know, he'll, at some point that's going to happen. And, uh, you know, a guy like John David Baker would probably be tied to it or whatever, but, um, yeah, I mean, he's, his family likes it here. He's still, you know, it, he wasn't going to leave for a, a similar job. It would have to be something that was like going to be great for him. And there, you know, I think there's going to be some really good opportunities for him in the future. Yeah. And that's why he's here. Cause he can show, uh, you know, and he said, Hey, it's the players here that, you know, giving me the opportunity to kind of show that. But, uh, he said, you know, all along, I thought I was going to be a high school coach like my, you know, my dad and my grandfather. Yeah. And then, uh, then when I started coaching college, I realized I probably want to be a head coach in college. But then when the NFL comes making a run at him, he thought, oh, that's kind of interesting. I don't know if that's me or not. But, you know, something I wasn't ever thinking about. Now you got to think about it, uh, but I'm not sure that that's who I am. Yeah. The last coach, go to special teams, uh, Sean Snyder. Now, I mean, if you had to give an award for best answers, like there were some really good ones from Niver. Like, obviously, that was good. Like, Dante Williams, the more like matter of fact stuff, the Vic. So, like, everyone had some really good, you know, lines. But because there's been so many hot button topics about special teams and the way that Sean Snyder uh, addressed them, uh, I thought it was great. You know, asked, you know, I think it was uh, Greg Katz asked them about. You know, what's your thoughts? Like something like, what are your thoughts about putting ten men on the field? It's yeah. like, well, who's going to say? Like, yeah, I'm all for that. You know, every once in a while it can happen, but he was like, hell no, that's never, that's not going to happen. That's never going to happen. There's a system in place to make sure it doesn't happen, and uh, you know, no, no ten, no nine on the field. So I think he's probably known that that's happened at USC fairly frequently, like seven, eight times a year for the last couple of years. Um, so I, I don't know if he well, was the, ready the for only it. The only answer. That he kind of gave about looking back at where uh, some of the returns that they gave up mm-hmm. where guys weren't in the right place. But that was a consistent issue. Like, guys weren't in the right place on extra points because they were on the bench. <laughs> guys weren't in the right place on, you know. On, I mean, it's just, it was, you know. But he's such a professional. I mean, he really, if you, if you, I mean, I know there was always talk about the best, you know, special teams coach in America. But literally, if you wanted to get the special teams coach in America, uh, Sean Snyder would be in the discussion by anybody in the country. If you ask any head coach in the country, give me your top five special teams coaches in the country, Sean Snyder would probably be in almost on everybody's list. I mean, he is that kind of a guy. And he was, like we said, an All-American punter at Kansas State. He's been there for what? 26 years. I, yeah. like, But I think even longer Coach, than that. Well, Third, coaching 26 plus, years. Plus, like, like, it's been over plus 30 forever. years. Been, yeah. yeah, 30 years. Um, yeah. You know, at Kansas State. Uh, and, you know, knows, like we talked about, he knows the punters, the kickers, the snappers and stuff really well. Was asked about Ben Griffiths and talked about the, you know, the potential there. Well, he actually brought up Ben. That he, that was like, you know, the first guy he went and, went and talked to, it yeah. sounds like. 
And uh, but you, I, I mean, like we don't want to we don't want to hype up punters here anymore. It's, it's a new rule. We're not doing it. Yeah, because yeah. Keely did so much last year. Excuse me, Dan and I are both guilty yeah, for this. Both, but we just tell, told people what we saw. But I thought it was interesting. He kind of hyped him up too. He kind of hyped Ben up yeah. too about you know what his upside is and and all of that. Because I mean, I've seen it in practice. I still I'm not hyping it up. I'm just reiterating. Until this has to be like a Saturday thing. Like even you know he, I'll wait till Saturday. Yeah, uh, I mean Saturday's in the fall. Like not even oh, Saturday. Not even spring yeah, Saturday. Like, we have, like we'll because we've seen him do things in practice. But with working with a guy like Sean Snyder, you get the feeling it's going to be better. Now he did talk about you know control and direction and things like right. that. Uh, so I'm curious to see. It sounded different. It did sound different. It was the same words, but I I hit a different <laughs> right. The same words, but you had a. You different... You didn't feel like he was going to coach out of like coach people out of doing good things like oh. where that you felt like that's happening before. Dan has had some hot takes off the air about special teams today. That's all I'm going to say. It's been interesting. Well, it's weird because like when the coaching searches were going on, I didn't talk about it much, but I kind of just got the feeling like if they got an experienced special teams coach things would just be better the talent is there and plus you add gary bryant jr who is dynamic and is fast you know things could happen (laughs) and a lot of return talk so like for for he was talking about uh what do you want to look for in a kick returner and like he always says that was keely's question yeah oh no Uh, what do you look for in a kick returner yeah yeah Yeah. so he had a great one word answer but there's like touchdowns yeah, he wanted to he get touchdowns. the table. He's yeah. like, touchdown, touchdown. I want touchdowns. And so he's, he's a big, you know, proponent of returning kicks. But, um, you know, there was different things, though, for like a kick return versus a uh, a punt returner where like punt returners, more quickness and vision and stuff was really important. And patience. I patience like that. Patience the on the kick returner. Yeah, yeah. the kick return, which be, I thought was to, interesting. To look, yeah, so that was cool. And then there were some other questions, and I asked him about like the kind of feast or famine sort of thing. I think Alicia asked him about – um, you know, returning kickoffs. He likes to return the kickoffs, but it, he said it depends on what's going on. Like if you, if it's a situation where you just need to get the the offense is great, you just need to get the ball to twenty five. Will Fair catch it? Um, and you, but it, it seemed like there was thought behind it, not just here's what we do. It was like it depends on the situation where sometimes you want you need to make a big special teams play. Yeah, he but says I, it's smart football, but you ultimately have to let your players play. But both he and Dante talk, they use the same thing. When you've got an offense like USC's got, uh, it's high risk, high reward. You can do things on special teams or you can do things taking chances on interceptions because you know you've got a team that can score points. Yeah. So uh, USC is a team that will allow you with its offense to do some things on special teams and, uh, and defense that other p- teams maybe shouldn't do. Yeah. And then you change, like Oregon changed the, you know, the whole, you know, USC game this year toward the end of the first half with a couple of, you know, momentum building, turning, you know, turn the game around plays. And uh, those are the plays we haven't seen as much from USC. Yeah. And I, that's the point of my question to him about that, like where you have touchdowns are great, but what if you're also giving up your horrible plays too? And it just seemed like that wasn't going to be acceptable. Like fundamentals were really important. We just have to do things right. And if you do things right, you're going to break the big play every once in a while, but you're not going. It's, it sounds like it was going to be the upside. Like we're going to make big plays sometimes when everyone does their job, but we're not going to give up the big boneheaded plays. And that's what's killed USC is like yeah. there's been a couple of great plays, but the boneheaded plays, even if it was even like bonehead versus great, that's probably not acceptable. And the bonehead was much higher than the yeah. great. Well, I thought also too, uh, 
he already knows how they're going to do practice. Yes. And, for example, <laughs> that yeah. they're going to do it the same way in spring as in the fall. And we've had years where, you know, we were told, oh, we don't need to work on special teams in the spring or, or whatever. It, it's always been or certain aspects of it or something. Or, mess or whatever. Or it was like 15 minutes in spring. We got to fall and it got to like 30 minutes, 45 where minutes. He knows, oh, we're going to do it this, the same way. And this is how we do it, you know, different days of the week. Five minutes here and 10 minutes here and, you know, or 10 and 10. But it just seems like that's all been taken care of. I mean, that they've. They're, they know right. where they're going, yeah. and they're not. And it sounds like when you look at Orlando and Williams and all those guys and Vic, they're going to do it their way. The way they what they brought here, that's what they're going to do. Yeah, I mean, they're not being told no. You, you no that they were brought here to do it their way, and they've all been told, yeah, you're going to do it. We're going to do it your way. Yeah, and I don't think if we. I mean, we don't know these guys real well yet we're getting we're going to get to know them and if for fans are getting like upset it's sort of like you you can only we're giving you our gut feel where if you yeah. walked into you brought your car into a mechanic and the guy's like uh the thing to make you stop isn't working and you're like okay i don't really feel as they're comfortable <laughs> and if the other guy's describing like your brake pads and your alive shocks and all these things and he's like describing all in detail you're like he might not be a great mechanic, but it sounds like he knows what he's talking about. And like everyone here sounds like they know what they're talking about. It seems like they've done it before somewhere else. And this is all we've advocated for yep. for years. That's why I say don't, you know, don't, you know, be good at your job and don't know the fight song. They hired a whole bunch of guys like that. They're mm-hmm. just they've been good at their jobs. And that's why we're coming away from this. And, you know, maybe it's it's a reflection on them and it's also a reflection of what we've seen in the past. And uh, it's just it seems different. You know, um, yes, the head coach is still the same, but everyone we met today, uh, I think all of us were impressed with. Yeah, yeah. I don't know that we're going to have to do instant analysis where we try to send messages to the coaches. And well, I don't do that, what Dan. We, what we just <laughs> some, saw. Some people in yeah, this room do. I, I, at times, I think you 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 watch practice. You know, I do. You know I, what I you're would seeing. criticize them, but I wouldn't try and send them full messages in that yeah. sense. But, but I don't get the feeling we're going to have to do that with these guys. I always hold my breath. But okay. the thing is, is that they, they won the press conference. It sounded good. I know some people were like, you didn't ask hard enough questions. They said all the right things. Like the reason why you can ask critical hard questions for the past staff is because we've seen the yeah. product on the field. We can't come out here and be like oh, da, 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 physical practices when they haven't even had a practice yet. Like you're going to be labeled as the jerk. You know, yeah. it's it's you got to wait and see what happens. And, and, they and, haven't screwed up yet. <laughs> exactly. And, and we you. could have said, okay, everything you said is great, and it sounds like that's going to be good in the spring, and it's going to be good in fall camp. But we've had actually some good springs here and some good fall camps. And then they get into the regular season and kaplui. All those hitting and all the toughness and all that goes by. Out the window. You know, so we could have said that, but that's really ahead of the game. We'll wait. We'll wait for a while before we ask those kinds of questions. We've learned our lesson. But I will say Dan's point to this staff and and how they want to do things and whether or not Helton will let them, because I know that was in my Twitter mentions a lot a lot of people were like, well, Helton's still the head coach. Yes, that's true. But imagine, li- listen to this press conference and imagine trying to tell Todd Orlando or Craig Niver, you know, you can't have this energy. I don't you think can't. they would be here. They, they, yeah. they wouldn't be here, but also I just, it would get ugly pretty fast. Yeah. Well, I think either one of two things will happen. They're going to practice physically and that will, we'll see that on the field and on Saturdays or there's going to be some tension and some turmoil in the coaching staff because this is what these guys want to do based on what they said and, and what their energy is like. And, and if you look at the history, 
he did Clay did allow uh, uh, Graham Harrell to do what Graham Harrell does mm-hmm. last year. Yep, he definitely did. And Clay is not invested in either defense or special teams, so it's hard to imagine he would say you can't do it that way if that's how they all agree. This is how we're going to do it. Yeah. So, you I, know, I think Sean Snyder even said like you know he was describing how what periods he would use for practice and things mm-hmm. like that. We'll do this. We'll do that. Uh, and he said, and, and Clay's been great about, you know, whatever. And I feel like before maybe, you know, there was larger portions of practice because Clay was really accommodating. Like, hey, what do you want to do? And maybe you were putting too much you know, into certain aspects of it. So it's, it seemed like Sean Snyder, to, to finish up with him, was more like he knows what he, the work he wants to get done. He can do it efficiently. And this is, you know, he, they've done it for years. And this is just what we do. It's not – we don't want to, you know uh, – monopolize everyone's time, but they're going to, you know, use what they have wisely. What they've been doing at Kansas State, considering that the talent that they're able to get to Manhattan, Kansas, is great. Now what you want to do is do it that way with the talent that you can get at USC. And I think that's what what they're thinking is that, you know, we ought to be able to make this really work. But there's no question about should we or shouldn't we. I mean, it's you didn't get any sense about – uh, do we have to ask anybody's permission to do it this way? No. They're just going to do it this way. I mean, it's like Graham Harrell. He wasn't looking over his shoulder at, at Clay last year. He just did what we, what he did. Yeah. Yeah. And to your point, you kind of dipped into this a little bit, Ryan, but Craig Niver had a lot of praise for Sean Snyder and his preparation, how detailed he was. I think he said post-game, um, Snyder asked him, well, how did you prepare against me? What were our weaknesses? And he said, you didn't really have any weaknesses, you know? So high praise for someone who's... Yeah, because Kansas State made life miserable for Texas. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that, that shouldn't happen. They returned four kickoffs for touchdown last year, four okay. kicks for touchdown. Was it yeah. 2019 or 2018? Did he say that? Uh, I thought it was I last year. I thought it was maybe. last okay. year. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, good stuff. Um, I forgot, we, we could have mentioned this at the top, but we have some... Breaking news. Well, we did get a release like a half an hour before the press conference started that uh, all the spring practices would be open. We've been reporting that. Mike Bone said that on our podcast. Uh, But also the spring spring showcase Hmm. that will be on April 11th uh, will be at the Coliseum, will be live, you know, so it will be somewhat of a game, right? We've Uh, made a suggestion. That they take the showcase out of the right, but we we we've, we've been told it probably won't happen this year. No, that, that, that it might be good, but I think it was good other, when it was the Trojan yeah. huddle back in the day. Yeah. yeah, but I think the other thing it was interesting. If you look at that release, I think it was in the second graph. It mentioned about how many full pad practices w- there would be, mm-hmm. yeah. and that there would be tackling. Yeah, in those practices, come in. I mean, you kidding me? That that made it high in the release that there were going to be tackling and full pad practices. Yeah. I mean, I was that's pretty that. amazing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Somebody out there is, you know. They're actually listening to us now. I think they are. I think they're saying, what will make us happy? And putting <laughs> tackling in the second graph <laughs> of the full pad practices. I think they've been re- reading the P since the holiday bowl. It's it. The P is everywhere. It is crazy. You, if you're not on the Peristyle now, you need to be. You need to get in there because it's uh, it's where everybody is. We're every, everybody. We, all the booster events we hear about here, and you talk to the people that work in the athletic department. Every one of them just says people come up to them with suggestions that came from the Peristyle. So uh, you, if you're not a member of uscfootball.com, you definitely should be because that's where 
Well, That's I mean, where you're going to get to know the most. We probably, if you want to talk about what Mike Bone said, uh, we probably have been talking about that for three years, about the Notre Dame model and the NBC and half in and half out of the Pac-12. I mean, that's like, if you've been on the P, you have to know about that. Yeah. You know, I know that was groundbreaking for everybody like Dennis <laughs> Dodd and John Willer and, and Kenny Ganzano. But if you're on the P, you know about yeah. this is an, op- you know, an option. It's been discussed. It's been discussed a lot. Um, since I brought the iPad, I wanted to do a couple of questions. So we'll play the first one for you, and then we'll uh, wrap up this show. Again, we'll get to the uh, the email and, and text questions next week, but we've already gone over an hour. Um, so uh, we'll play this one first. Hey there, this is Zach, longtime listener, longtime uh, board member. Uh, my question is the following. Dan, you've mentioned recently that you know, USC might be building a staff for someone other than Helton, maybe Luke Fickle. Uh, but I'm confused as to what, what you mean by that. And I guess my, uh, you know, it seems like they are building it for Helton. Um, they're trying to just put as many pieces as they can around him. It doesn't make sense to me because, you know, you'd think that for any new coach that would come in, they'd want their whole new staff. So what makes you think that they're building the staff not for Helton but for someone else? I hope you're right. <laughs> uh, just theoretically, it, uh, it looks like if you were going to bring in a, a new coach uh, and you didn't want to pay buyouts to all these coaches who probably, uh, you know, getting multi-year contracts to come in here the way these guys are, uh, you would probably want a staff that you knew – that uh, a new head coach would probably be very comfortable with. And let's face it, the people running the show at USC now are very close to and very comfortable with a particular head coach. And if you just wanted to play this out hypothetically, theoretically, uh, are they putting together a staff clearly for Clay Helton, but if that doesn't work out, could someone else take over this staff? And move right on. Or parts of the staff, part, yeah. Part, or, but yeah, but just the idea that this looks like a staff that's going to work. Yeah. And work for somebody. And so I just think it's, it's more, that's a smart thing to do. You don't want to lock yourself into, okay, if it doesn't work out, you got to go a completely new direction. It, I don't think you do. Yeah, Zach, thanks for the question. And I think in general, what this administration did when they came in is, Sort of like, you know, USC is this Airbnb that was in a great neighborhood, but, you know, the, the, everything was kind of run down. The, the dishwasher didn't work. You know, the, the, the curtains were terrible. And there was just a lot of problems. And it was still in a great location, and you could get a good, you know, rate for it. But, uh, and, you know, maybe you want to change listing agents or whatever. But in the meantime, you're going to put in new curtains and fix the dishwasher and, uh, you know, add the pool table, whatever you're going to do, you're going to make it more appealing and it's just going to be in general, more appealing. It's more, this is a more appealing staff. It's a more appealing athletic department than it was last year. And if you do want to make a big change, so you're talking about changing the head coach, you've, you've made the environment around it so much better. And if it was a guy like if, they, when they made a run at Dave Aranda, if they were getting someone like that, like that's someone you keep, like that's the best guy in the country. But this is going to be, in general, a much better staff. And sometimes you don't have 
a special teams coordinator that you that you like, and you well, you got a really good one now. And if Todd Orlando's defense works out well, or a Graham Harrell, like those are all guys that you could see, depending on who, if you brought in another coach, those guys could work for them. So you've, to me, it's more about you weren't assembling a staff for some other guy specifically. You were trying to make the entire you know operation better, and the entire operation is now going to be more appealing if you do make a change like changing Clay Hill. Uh, okay, one last question for you. Um, this, there's some tackling in here and a little uh, a name we haven't heard for a while. Hey, Ferris Style. This is Anthony in L.A. And I just want to first off say you guys do a great job. Love listening to the show. Um, so two quick questions. Uh, first one, with the new defensive coaches, um, how do you feel the tackling will improve uh, both in practice and games? And two, uh, what's Trevor Trout looking like with his, him coming back from injury? All right. As always, you guys do a great job. Thank you, and fight on. Well, uh, take the second question. Trevor Trout looks like he's an NFL player when you look at him. I mean, he's just – now, is he going to be healthy? Is he going to get enough, uh, you know, done in practice and all of that? I don't know. But he he looks like – you know, they talk about, you know, the guys that – uh, when they get off the bus, you go, ooh, okay, he's one of those guys. You know, that, so I don't know. That'd be neat. I mean, that would be a plus that maybe they're not even, you know, haven't, haven't been counting on. That, but uh, he certainly looks like a player. Uh, as far as uh, tackling, w- is it going to prove, obviously, without a doubt? I mean, it's just, you know, just the talking about it is probably going to improve it. <laughs> uh, I mean, what else could it do but, but improve? But, uh, you know, they're going to, they're going to tackle in practice. I mean, again, it made the release in the second graph. We're going to tackle in practice. So I think everybody understands that has to improve. They've got two – their athletes are too good to be not able to tackle. Yeah. But you can't just wait till Saturday and hope you can tackle. you got to tackle during the week. And you got to be consistent. You know, what you do in the spring, you do in the fall – and uh, and you keep it up week after week after week, and, and you don't, you know, it doesn't happen if you, you know, I mean, it's like in, in college basketball, if you don't shoot free throws, you're probably not going to be able to knock them down when you have to in the game. And then uh, football is a tough, uh, a tough, mean game, and uh, you've got to do those things in practice. Yeah, that's that was a general theme the whole day. It was about physicality and and playing football. To you know, to get better at football, you play football. You don't read about football you don't watch football you don't categorize yeah like you play football and so yeah i think you're going to see more tackling and it'll it overall tackling should be better i mean i thought it was really interesting we got that one practice that we got to watch in the holiday bowl for iowa and the what they did it was a shorts and shoulder pads and helmet day how many times they were on the ground, how much tackling they did, how much form tackling, how much tackling they did against moving dummies and then moving guys and all. And it's stuff I have not ever seen USC do. Uh, and you realize uh, you can really do a lot if you're, you know, if you're, you're set up properly. And they had more, uh, you know, managers out there and they had more staffers than USC has. But... Uh, but Iowa, you know, had figured it out. I think all these guys are coming from programs that have figured it out. And USC's got to figure it out. And they got to get it done. And you can't play standing up. One of the problems when they do, USC would do a lot of thud where you don't tackle somebody, but you thud, you kind of stop them. Problem is, when you do that, you have to be standing up. And football is not a game played by guys running around standing straight up. 
It's a game where you're down on the ground, you're down low. That doesn't happen at USC. And you get into bad habits. And uh, uh, like watching an Iowa team, uh, they they didn't have those bad habits. And I, I think with these coaches, we're going to see a, a whole different approach to tackling. That's why I'm really curious about the drills we're going to see in practice because I feel like we've kind of seen the same things over and over, year after year. And we're just watching it. We're not doing it. So for these players who are getting a new system a and new point. new drills and whatnot, I mean, it's kind of what Todd Orlando was talking about. Part of the reason why they have a jump is because they just do things differently than what they're used to. So I'm curious what we'll see. Yeah, I think they need to challenge them. They mm-hmm. need to give them do, new, new things to do that are more – that even when they're in, in shorts, that are more like real football. And I like it that they demeaned the – practicing not in pads and, and all of that. I like that because that's not real football. Yeah. Well, I think that's... Before we wrap it up, oh, okay. I think, sorry, I think we really need to address the high-key skeptics um, because I know a lot of people are going to hear this positivity and be very upset. And, Ooh. you know, here we go again. It's spring and they bought into the hype again. You know, the cyclical thing that happens. I mean, to give you an example, this is one of the comments on the Peristyle underneath instant analysis with Dan and I. Someone was someone said, all I hear is the same blah, 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 empty rhetoric, all talk BS we hear every year from clueless clay and his dumb minions especially from orlando how many times have we heard the same old bs before practice hard more discipline will focus on penalties blah 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 nothing will change nothing has changed and nothing will change because clay is still in charge so that's kind of the the opposite side of the spectrum and i think we should address those type of people since we do seem so optimistic coming out of this presser yeah i got an uh i had an email exchange with a a fan named paul that was very you know very similar to Mm -hmm. that a lot of personal insults in there so it makes a little some of it hard to read not to me but towards well he wasn't happy with us saying that we were buying into this and i mean i also censored that comment too so it's it's very personal which is just not it's not good to see and you know saying things like you know clay is terrible and todd orlando's terrible and mike but everybody's terrible because you're really upset at the decision to keep clay and like we none of us agreed with that decision um but we can't stop you know, covering what's going on. We have to we have to move on and cover the other thing. Now, yeah, like at the end of the day, could this team like win a national championship if everything was the same and Urban Meyer was a head coach instead of Clay Helton? Like maybe, like who knows? You know, it's hard to say, but we're covering the team as it is and we complained ab- about a lot of stuff from last year that was wrong and a lot of that stuff has been fixed. Now, the main one hasn't been fixed. It's still Clay Helton, but... We're not going to like ignore when they do something good, which we feel is something good. Uh, we we have to tell you. We're, I mean, if they we've they've made some mistakes too. We said, hey, that wasn't right. That wasn't right. But for the most part, like a lot of the moves that have been made recently have been good ones. So we're going to tell you. I don't. I don't. I'm not saying that makes Clay a great head coach now, and I'm not saying that they're going to you know make a run at the playoff. But it's a talented team. They made the staff better. The administration, you know, everything seems to be better so who knows it, that, it to me it makes it more interesting because if you still fall on your face at seven and five then that's even more of an indication that clay helton was the problem because if if you can't be successful this year when the pac 12 south is down the team's super talented you got a heisman favorite you know coming back as quarterback and all those receivers and stuff and you've improved you know your defense and special teams should get better if you can't win the you know the pac 12 this year then i think that's like obviously it shows that this this is a, a clay helton problem because, I mean, you knew what he had to get better, uh, defense and special teams, without a doubt. Well, you know, 
I think this is a coaching staff. If Urban Meyer got the job tomorrow, he could look at this staff and say, hey, I like these guys. They could coach for me. Uh, I think that's the case. I don't know that that was the case uh, in previous years, but, uh, uh, you know, these guys can coach for me. Uh, I think these guys uh, – so I think you give – you give them all the credit for what they've done to get to this point. Has there ever been a team that the assistant coaches can coach it kind of despite what the head coach has done all the last few years? I don't know. I don't, I don't remember that happening. Uh, I don't know. I mean, this might be something that you haven't seen before. Uh, but it doesn't look like anybody is stopping them from uh, – from what they're doing in, in years past, you got the sense that Clay put his foot down and said, we're going to do it the same way we've been doing it, even though that doesn't work. Right. And he just, I don't get the sense he's going to do it that way. If they do it that way, uh, you know, all bets are off. But I'm not sure the personality. Last year, I think I had some hope that the personality of the coaching staff would overwhelm Clay. They didn't at all. Clay, Clay won. He got what he wanted. He got to practice the way he wanted to practice, and we saw how that turned out. Uh, and nobody challenged him when they were getting ready. He had five weeks to get ready for the Holiday Bowl, and we're totally not ready. I mean, yeah. who was that on? Clearly it was on Clay. But uh, I, I don't see this coaching staff going down that road. I, I, I can't imagine that that is going to happen. And they got one shot because of the way the recruiting is going. This is the year. They have to do it this year. Yeah. Now, maybe, you know, they really get it done this year. They can fill in, you know, the next couple of classes. Uh, but this is it. This is their shot. And they got to get it done. And I think they know it. Uh, we'll see. It's a, you know, keeping clay is a kind of a high wire act that, you know, you're going to say we're going to try to do something nobody else has done. Yeah. And I think if, you, if you're if you like a, a big clay Hilton critic, which you know, many or most of our listeners are, I think you could say, wow, this is a really good staff. This is – the offense should be great. I think the defense is going to be a lot better. They're going to recruit a lot better. Special teams are going to be a lot better. Why did this happen in year five and not year one? Mm-hmm. And I think that's that's what you can point to. So if you're rooting, you don't want USC to win a bunch because, uh, you know, it's, it's going to look bad because Clay Helton will look like a genius. It's, that could be an indication of this is how this team could be why didn't you do this with a staff, you know, five years ago as opposed to right now? So um, I do think they're gonna they're gonna do better than than people think just because you know the offense is gonna be really good again. Uh, you know, there's there's gonna be some issues everywhere. The defense, I think, is gonna be a lot better. Special teams are gonna be a lot better. They'll mm-hmm. recruit better. It's just they've put so many pieces around him. Um, it's it's gonna be hard not to be better. I know, you know. So I'm sorry for the people that are upset about that, but um, you know that. The majority of this coaching staff now is is you know above par or, or you know, well it's below par it's a, a it's above average staff you know where it wasn't you couldn't say that before and that's that's on clay that to me that's on clay that's not about resources that's not that's about you didn't fire people when you should have fired them you hired the wrong people to begin with and it took you a long time incremental steps to get to the point where you look at the staff and go it's good. It's really good. Yeah, you could have been there way earlier. And somebody else is doing it for Clay. I mean, it's this is not (laughs) this is not Clay driven. This is not like the staff that Urban Meyer would have put together if he had the job. Uh, This is a staff that people are putting together for Clay. 
He's in, he's involved in some of them and not so much. But these are guys that wanted to be here and said, hey, I'd like, you know, always wanted to be there. It's a different look because it does feel like people that weren't in the familiar realm, you know. So, which normally that's what have been hired by Clay Helton. Yeah. All right. Well, did we address that? Uh, I hope so. I, I wonder if those type of people are listening this far into the podcast to begin with. They, <laughs> they might have gotten are. angry and turned it off. They might but, have been emailing us. But, you yeah. know, let us, like, hey, we're, yeah. you know, we tried to. They've thrown their laptop up against the wall and yeah. they're stomping Crashed on it. Crashed their yeah. car. <laughs> Too cool. much positivity. Screw uh, All right. Um, so, we're going to end this now. Uh, I hope everything's. Hope everyone enjoyed this edition of the Parastyle Podcast. On the road. All We're three of us road. together. A rare, um, a rare edition. Yeah. So that's Dan Weber, Keely Yor. I'm Ryan Abraham. Thanks for tuning in, and we will talk to you next time. You've been listening to the Parastyle Podcast, presented by uscfootball.com. Be sure to tune in next week for the latest news on Trojan football and recruiting. Don't forget, you can automatically download the podcast directly to your smartphone or tablet for free. Just click the iTunes link on peristylepodcast.com or search for Peristyle Podcast at the iTunes Music Store.